everyone, welcome to a brilliant edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good buddy, Professor Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who, much like the namesake of today's computer, turned in a scientific formula that was so close, but he was the laughingstock of the scientific community with the term E equals MC banana. I give you the Brent. You should have went with a different geometric shape. No, no, banana. E equals MC circle. No, banana. And have wrapped. Listen, I, no, we don't want that. What? What is that? How's it going today, the Brent? Uh, it, it is going okay. It is okay at the uh, ha- Brent household. Well, that's good to hear, my friend. We uh, we had an interesting week. Uh, here it was. Uh, uh, we were just coming off New Year's, and Brent, tell the people how you spent your New Year's. Asleep. <laughs> that's it, huh? Just that's slept it. the whole time, eh? Yep. We went well, to bed early. We had nowhere to go and nowhere, no one to be with, so we went to bed. That is what a tale, ladies and gentlemen. I, on the other hand, I had all kinds of exciting adventures, playing video games with my friends over the internet. That was what I did, and no drinking, by the way. It was one of those nights just sat around. That's that's a good way to end twenty twenty, <laughs> sitting around in your house. That's well, the one thing I remember about it. I talked about good Matt. I was like, good Matt. Are you going to have your awesome uh, Happy New Year party? He's like, no. <laughs> I was like, okay. You know, last year for New Year's, I we had a great time at Matt's, our good yeah. buddy Matt. And I drank all night and sang rock band till the wee hours. It was glorious. I was in great voice that night, yeah. I might add. The people were crying. They were so impressed. Oh, were it was so moving. You wouldn't stop drinking. I'll take off. Listen, what? I can't believe you say that. Nevertheless, speaking of crying, uh, we spun the wheel, and the wheel is a the wheel is a minefield of pain right now. It is it, all kinds of wacky stuff, and you knew we couldn't keep dodging those mines, and we didn't. We landed on a big fat one this week, and so we're going to be taking a look at a little system. Bam! It's the Tatung Einstein, Brent. Is that the way you would pronounce that? How how do you see it, that being pronounced? Is that Tatung? No, you see, what you do is you drop that first part and just call it the Einstein. <laughs> That's the lamest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You know, I had never heard of this one, Brent, had you? No. I nope, knew you had Never hadn't. heard of it in my life. I knew you hadn't. Of course not. A, an interesting looking little system. And yep. by little, I mean huge. <laughs> it's a huge, it's a huge beefy system. I did a little research on the old Einstein and found some interesting stuff out about it. Uh, this is a machine that, in a small way, well, not in a, in a medium-sized way at least, affected a lot of other bigger, more popular machines, yeah. <laughs> if you can believe that. It did. Uh, let's get into it here. So the uh, Einstein, uh, they call this the TC-01, uh, ma- manufactured by Tatung from uh, Taiwan. And this thing came out in 84. Now, of course, in 84, everything was hot and heavy. Uh, and this is another one that tried to kind of wedge its way in. This is another, another Zilog Z80A processor running at 4 megahertz, uh, 64K of memory, uh, unexpanded. This thing has 16 colors, and it did have three voice, seven octave sound. This thing was big, a big monster of a machine with a full uh, typewriter-style keyboard, and that's sort of what... Uh, that's sort of what got it over with the few people that did buy it. Yeah. Uh, because this machine, uh, as I found out, and through a, f- a bunch of different people and comments, this was a developer's dream machine. They developed on it for a couple reasons, Brent. Now, uh, what were they? Uh, for starters, it was the keyboard. Uh, unlike, say, typing uh, stuff in on a on a, a, a Z80 uh, or a... Uh, or any of the computers that were out at the time, this had a full, proper keyboard. And so you, it made typing stuff in just easier. I mean, duh. Uh, it also had something... I, I never thought about this, Brent, but this is something I, I saw come up over and over. It had a reliable internal power supply. Yeah. And they said, they said this was a very stable machine, and uh, they would use this to type to do development on mach- on lots of machines, Everything from the ZAs up to the Amigas and the Atari STs, they would do development on this thing. And then they would uh, use the RS-232 to uh, 
kind of scoot those programs out the back door and, 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 and export them, and then you're good to go. Kind of neat. The bad yeah. part of that is there's not a lot of people back at the pad who are developing computer programs. <laughs> programs and so this didn't sell all that well no. uh i should mention that the price on this thing <laughs> yeah. at the time of, of release was of around 500 pounds yeah that's if you consider there were computers selling for a hundred pounds uh this is a lot more uh, in yeah, fact this yes, is well done aaron <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you uh, e equals mc banana for me too uh <laughs> But I mean, you're talking. Uh, I believe that's somewhere in the ballpark of, let's say, 1,800 pounds. Yeah, uh, well, for for a machine, and that's expensive. Yeah. The uh, plus, it's just another uh, of, of the Zilog Z80s that on, on the pile. It's not like this thing brought a ton of new stuff to the table, uh, and uh, so the sales on this thing were low. It's. I will say, I, I watched a fellow take one of these apart, and uh, of course. The the back you had you had choices on how you want to uh, hook this thing up to a monitor. You had a couple different choices. You had you did have your RS two three two on the back. When you pop this thing open, there's just two screws on the back of this thing. You pop the lid on the back, and it, I will say in terms of accessibility, this is a, a pretty nice looking unit. It's pretty well designed. The well engineers. Did you have? A, did you get to see anybody open this thing up? Uh, I saw some stuff on it with just uh, its reliability and, like you said, especially the power supply and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, when everyone else was saying, how cheap can we make it? Yeah. Uh, the Einstein said, how good can we make it? Unfortunately, good was not the call for the day. Uh, and that, then they, of course, suffered for it with poor sales. Uh, yeah. However, it's kind of odd to me that... Um, of usually systems like this would be in high praise today, even though they weren't uh, such high praise at their time due to their due to their cost. Right, and I've never heard of this thing. However, the community for this is really strong. Uh, <clears throat> the emulation and stuff—they have a few very very dedicated people that uh, make sure things stay up to date. And because of that, you have really strong emulation. And that made this week's episode so easy to do. I, I was in and out getting the thing set up in like six minutes. I, I went to a website and they literally just said, you need this file, you need this file. Here's the latest hashtag to make all the, or all the, the latest hash to make all the games work. Bam, done, go. And that was it. I was, I was in. Did you experience the same thing? Well, I did. I, I did find. I'm sure I saw the same website, and uh, of course, I just set this up in mess, and I really had set it up, no problem. Loading None games, no loading games, no problem. The problem I had was just uh, learning the controls on the games and trying to figure out how you know what keys did what. Well, that's yeah, that yeah, has nothing that, to do with the system, yeah. though. The uh, but the funny thing is, yes, there is a community for this, but in terms of. Uh, information on the titles on this i had all kinds of trouble which we'll get to that in a moment uh, i wouldn't say there's a ton of titles for this there's not a ton of there these aren't. around but I, I was reading here uh uh when when would the tune send these sent these over to the uk in 84 uh in the summer of 84 it says here 5,000 were exported back to taipei later that year that tells me no one was buying these. Yeah. So the numbers, if they if they if they sit back five thousand, one would wonder how many of these exist. And I looked to see if I could find numbers, and I could I could not. Um, this machine this machine is often compared to the MSX. I think it's yeah. an apt comparison. Uh, they have the same video modes, uh, uh, the same sound chip, uh, a few other things, but they're not compatible. Uh, you know that's so. Uh, that limited what you could do with it. And you're right. These guys, want, I mean, this thing has joystick ports built in. Like I said, it's got multiple uh, outputs for video. You can even hook this thing up with a SCART cable yep. if you're in the UK, so which is nice. Again, it had a beefy, like m more modern PC-style power supply with a big switch. It didn't have an external uh, power supply like no everything else. I mean, this yeah. thing actually had a proper power supply, a big one. Uh, so this thing was loaded for bare. It had uh, it had nice memory socks. It had everything it was real. Well, not they weren't socketed, but the memory stuff. If you look at it, it looks more like what a, a what you would expect an IBM PC to look like than would uh, something with a Z80 in it. So uh, this thing also had 
uh, one of the patented. Uh, this thing came with the ability to have two three-inch uh, floppy drives in it. Well, these three-inch drives are notoriously crap. Uh, and so <laughs> one thing I read over and over was that often uh, people would, would hook these things up to five-and-a-quarter-inch drives, which are more reliable. And also, eventually, people were putting three-and-a-half-inch disk drives in there, which were a much more solid, dependable format than for your discs but this did have the ability to have two floppy drives right out of the gate and it came with one so it did they, they like i said it was fairly expandable if you look at this thing now we've looked at some wacky machines this one actually looks pretty pretty nice you know yeah. and i could i could also see why people would want one you know because yeah. they they're very durable looking also, but hey it, it did it didn't work it also came uh printer ready I mean, yeah. it's just plug it in. You've got a printer. Uh, so they tried to, to go with a, a business aspect as well. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, this was just an era where computers were cheap, not necessarily good. And yeah. uh, uh, it, it just got beaten up in the market because of it. I should mention, Brent, I thought this was interesting as well. Uh, this thing was uh, designed, of course, it was made by uh, Tatung in, in Taiwan, but it was designed in Bradford, England at the uh, Tatung Research Lab, and it was assembled in Bridge, Bridge North and Telford, England. So if those mean anything to you, there you go. Uh, so this actually was designed in the UK, and, it, and that doesn't surprise me a bit, by the way. And the fact that it was designed in the UK and built in Taiwan, it it actually that's exactly what you get. It's exactly what it is to me. You know, I think that's kind of neat. So there you go. Uh, so with all that said, uh, Branster, we were tasked uh, with finding a couple games for the old uh, tattoo. You know, that this thing had some titles I'd heard of. I mean, it's not like they oh, were tons. all like, utterly yeah. obscure. You know, this had some this had some titles. You're like, oh yeah, that one. You know, but you know me, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for a wacky title, and I'll lead the dance this week uh, on, on on our games. Uh, and so uh, I looked at all the different titles, and I had to pick the one that had the coolest sounding title. I ended up going with this one. Bam! Escape from Merlin Eight, Brent. Uh, I like the idea of the uh, fact that you're escaping from a, someone named a planet Merlin, and there's eight of them at least. <laughs> Pretty cool. So, you know, when you pick these games uh, with by cool names, you don't really look into the actual game that much when you're picking it. And so, man, uh, and I, if that's not a disclaimer, <laughs> I don't know what is. Well, listen, I'm not burying Escape from Merlin 8, but I am burying any information on Escape from Merlin 8. I'm going to tell you the depths I went to. I didn't phone this one in, brother. I went to work. Uh, so, Escape the from, Telegraph. Let's put it this way Escape from Merlin 8. Uh, was was uh, produced uh, a, by Merlin Software. They were a prolific developer, which we'll get to. To put this in perspective in terms of information, I don't know when this came out. <laughs> like, there was no release date. Everyone had listed 19, either 7X or XX. Now, I can tell you right now, this didn't come out in 197X because <laughs> this, the, that's it, and that's the way it was listed all over the place. 197X. And this came out... My guess would be, this is just a guess, mind you, and I'll explain how I came to this guess. <clears throat> My guess would be this came out sometime late in the game. I'm talking like 1989 to 1990, and I'll explain. I know you're thinking to yourself, that's crap. No, it's not. I understand. I know but, exactly why you think that. Uh, I'm going to explain why. So to do some research on this, I found the site that had all kinds of old magazines for the Merlin. But the Merlin didn't have a lot of magazines. Like they had, as far as I know, they had three. And one of them, uh, uh, one of the magazines was called Tetsun Einstein User. Okay. And I'll get into these magazines in a minute. But I looked through every volume to try to find some mention of this game. And I did finally find one mention of it one time. And this is in all the magazines ever released. Okay. The, they had a Tatsun uh, Top 10 Games, okay? This was the Tatsun uh, uh, Einstein User Volume 4, Number 4, Top 10, 1990. That's the only date that was on it, okay? The Top 10 Games were Gloop, Aggra Aggravator, which that's named after you, Southern Bell, that's named after me, and then Number 4, Escape from Merlin 8, 
All right. And then rounding out the top 10, Rover Ball, Maxima, Starquake, Hustler, Space Traveler, and 256 Game Pack. But <laughs> Escape from Merlin 8 was number four. So I would deduce that the game came out sometime around the uh, uh, when Volume 4, number four, came out, which is listed in 1990. And since this was so high in the rankings, I would say it was fairly new. So we're going to go with that. I disagree. Uh, okay, go ahead. I think this was released closer to the 80s, uh, 1980, 1981, because it is clearly a ripoff of Buck Rogers' Planet of Zoom. It is a ripoff, but there's no way this was released before the machine, you dipstick. And it only I... came out in the Einstein, so you're wrong. And I'll explain. I've got more evidence, my friend. It's not, I'm, I'm not done yet. So <laughs> let's talk about Merlin software for a minute. Merlin did a ton of games on the C64. They did a bunch of stuff. But they did a lot of stuff on the Einstein, including uh, House of Usher, Elite, Starquake, Druid, Attack the Killer Tomatoes, Dead Zone, Sprog, Theater Europe, and Brent. They did the Einstein release. You ready for this? They did the Einstein release of Dragon's Lair. I don't know if you looked at this. Oh, gosh. I didn't see that. Oh, yes, my friend. Oh, yes. And I looked at it. It's very similar to the ColecoVision, but not. It's It's... I found one guy playing it one time and getting on the same level every time. So there, the footage of that, that'd be one to go play and create some footage. In fact, all these games, footage was nigh impossible to get. And I have trouble capturing from from from, uh, from mess. So I had to depend on whatever footage I could find. Found footage, if you will. So anyway, getting back to Merlin Software. Now, these guys were a publishing label of an outfit called Black Bow and Hebelweight Limited, all right, or they known as B&H Computers. Now, get this. They were the leading retailer for the Tattooed Einstein microcomputer, okay? So this is why Merlin was in there. And according to what I read, Merlin kept producing software for the Einstein long after it had fallen out of the market. So I have deduced that uh, uh, Escape from Merlin 8, being listed in 1990, in a magazine, probably mean it came out between 89 and 90 because these guys were supporting a long dead Einstein computer to uh, to keep the ball rolling on it. I should also mention, if you look through these magazines, it's quite sad because they start out with these awesome covers. I mean, awesome. And I mean, they look like D&D like module covers and they slowly degrade into like a fanzine. It's the saddest thing. I felt so bad for people, you know, <laughs> But, I mean, they were cool magazines at first. So, what do you do? What do you do in uh, Escape from Merlin 8? Well, Britt sort of stole my thunder. Thanks, A. <laughs> <laughs> Someone saw Buck Rogers play Zoom and was like, we can do that. Which is uh, uh, which is a fairly... It's an arcade game, but it was more famous more in the ColecoVision, I think, than it was in the arcade. Wouldn't you say, Brent? I would say the home ports were way more... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So... This is a multi-level game, and it's funny. Brent actually, Brent got further than I did, and I never saw footage of the levels past two, so we'll hit him up for the other level. But this game is a real attractive game. Uh, you, you, uh, and by the way, I have no backstory on this. I don't have no tape. I have no back of the box. Nothing. I none of that stuff exists, as far as I can tell. Uh, you roll your spaceship over a uh, sort of a pseudo three D planet. I will say that the the, uh, the uh, scrolling is very smooth as you roll across this planet. They, it's one of those gimmicks where they've they've made the landscape striped, so it, it can you can tell the momentum of the ship rolling towards you. It's a cool effect we've seen plenty of times. Uh, this game is this actually each screen is split into sort of like mini games. On the first screen, at first you have to go through a certain fixed amount of of like of these space pylons. I don't know what you call these things, Brett. Space gates. Yeah, Whatever you're, you call you're going through gates to, to charge up your ship. At least yeah. that's my opinion. That's what <laughs> Brent writes his own docs, folks. <laughs> that's okay. I made up the logo, so why not? Uh, so once you go through enough gates, uh, then you are attacked by these little jumping critters. All right, I'm going to go with critters. These three-legged bouncing aliens. <clears throat> and then you have a uh, hit list of how many aliens you have to take out. All this stuff listed at the top of the screen, along with the fuel gauge, and the number of men you've got, uh, the fuel gauge, at least in the first uh, the first level, it's, I would say it's not, not really a factor. Uh, 
the aliens are, you have to, it's funny, as you start, there are tons of aliens, you're killing them, but as you run out of aliens, I assume the aliens on the screen are the actual amount of aliens you have to kill, because when you're done, there are none yeah. left. So yeah, it gets it actually, is. it's surprisingly difficult to finish off those last couple aliens, uh, because they'll, you know, they'll appear on different parts of the screen, You it's and just, this spaceship's not exactly uh, zipping around, if you know what I mean. It sort of meanders across the planet, you know what I'm saying? This is like the Chevy van of spaceships. It just takes its oh, time. Oh, it's not that bad. Well, I mean, I'm just saying it's not fast. You're not going to whip across the screen to get an alien. Uh, usually, you sort of have to wait till because if you miss one, if you miss them, they'll come back. They'll just start coming back again. They just basically scroll over and over until they're all dead. So once you've gotten past the uh, first level, you roll into the second level, or as I like to call it, the trench level. This is the old, again, this is also a Buck Rogers. Yep. This is the old level where you uh, fly down a trench, and this time you're shooting other critters that are coming at you down the trench. Uh, I never got past this level, to be honest with you. I should mention that the ship, this isn't just a, a game where the ship scrolls left and right. It also can gain altitude and go down, so it's got, it, it can move it on, on both axes. Uh, I, did, I found that I didn't really need to use that. All that much? Did you did you use the other axis that much? No, and in fact, uh, it, it is incredibly frustrating because shots that you feel should have hit your target in all the scenes, uh, your bullet might pass through the through what you're trying to shoot, and maybe it was too high, maybe it was too low, but there's no indication. There's no proper indication. Yeah, so this, the up no and down Zaxxon meter on this yeah, thing. The the up and down gimmick on this is is a huge hindrance to its enjoyability. Now, do you remember? Is that a feature of Buck Rogers as well? I don't remember Buck Rogers. You could go all over the screen. I could, it, I can't. I couldn't remember if you could actually go uh, gain altitude or not. I will say I was going to get this later, but we might as well go ahead and broach it now. Uh, <clears throat> this game. The 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 uh, uh, hit detection is is not that good, and I, I'm going to be generous here. Sometimes it hoses you, and sometimes it helps you. Frankly, uh, you can actually you can actually run into those pylons. I've ran right into it and it went right through my ship uh, before. And on the flip side, you try to shoot those aliens, and man, they'll they'll take shots, and you'll swear that you killed them, and they'll jump right on top of you and you're boned. Uh, I, I the hit detection not so good on any level. Now, Brent, on the what what is past that trench level, if I may indulge you? Well, <laughs> I, I guess you enter some kind of like warp tunnel. I, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of squares, multicolored squares that come towards the screen, and you can tell that it they veer either left right up or down yeah. because uh you know they they have, they have that graphical representation and your ship will drift that way just slightly and you have to shoot a certain number of aliens before uh your fuel runs out and whatnot it's a very when i uh, when i first got to the screen it hurt my head uh I was having a huge problem on focusing on it because the effect is kind of neat, but it's also kind of nauseating. Uh, that reminds me of you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, I personally never got past this, but uh, Mitsuyama in our chat did manage to get past it and said after that the game loops uh, and the, the color of the planet uh, is is different. It goes. That's from what a blue I. That's what I green. had read as well. They just changed uh, the color. So when you told me there was something after that, I was actually surprised. So yeah, like, the but that final screen with the squares, it's it's. I don't know. It's kind of neat. It's definitely neater than anything else in the game visually. But yeah. again, it's also kind of nauseating. I will say, um, overall, uh, I liked. I like Buck Rogers. I'm one of those people that liked the Buck Rogers Planet Zoom game on the uh, Coleco. And so I, I like this. I thought this was a pretty impressive visually. I thought it was, uh, uh, I liked the fact that you had multiple objectives. I thought that was cool. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. This isn't uh, the most awesome game ever, but I mean, it's worth a look. You know, I think it's, a, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's playable, but I mean, you have to go in knowing that there's going to be some annoyances. And I will say, like you'd mentioned, 
the uh, the ability to go up and down is more of a hindrance than anything else. I mean, I know why they put it in there because it makes it seem cooler, and it, it does. But I mean, at, in terms of playability, if you can't see what level those aliens are on and what le- level you're on, it makes it real difficult. I always stayed either all the way up or all the way down. I didn't go up and down, you know, because it was just too difficult. And then the second level looks cool, but it, it's and this game is sort of hard. Part of the problem is when you're emulating a game like this, because and I don't want to judge it too harshly. Uh, you, the keyboard and stuff's a little bit different, so I had, it took me a good a good while just to get in there and figure out the, how to how to set up the keys and stuff. But once you do that, I mean, it's totally playable. In fact, I thought this computer overall was pretty much pretty usable. Heck, I was in DOS doing commands and stuff. With you know, wasn't that tough? Was it? Oh no, but I, I want to comment on this game. Yeah, please. This is a game that could have been really cool. And then they just botched some of the main command, uh, the main mechanics of gaming. Having your shot pass through an enemy because it's either too high or too low, or driving your ship through a pylon for who knows what reason is inexcusable. And it takes a game that probably could have been uh, something I would recommend going and playing because it's very interesting for the era, whatever era that might be. Uh, However, with the problems it has with hit detection, or and let's say it's not a problem with hit detection. Maybe it's doing exactly what they wanted it to do. The perceived problem with hit detection makes this game unplayable. Well, I don't know about that. No, it does. That's hard. Because it turns the game into something that's fun into frustrating because well, I mean, it, when yeah. your shots pass through aliens and, and the uh, pylon board is <sighs> it's annoying on that board, but the boards after it are 10 times worse. Yeah. So I can't, I can't recommend, I mean, if this is setting up at a party somewhere and <laughs> I want to go to that party, by the way, <laughs> if this is setting up in a party somewhere, sure. Go over and have a look, but don't emulate the system for this. It's uh, not. It's just not. Worth I think it. it's worth looking at to see what the Einstein could do. I think graphically, it's very impressive. Well, you can and, do that with a video. And I think the background, like the scrolling mountains in the background, I think I like the what they did. I like the way they did it. Yeah, it's, but you're are right. Great. They they did miss the mark a bit. Uh, we got some. Uh, we actually got some uh, action this week on Discord in terms of reviews. Bridge. By the way, couldn't find any of this stuff on eBay. You forget that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> the boat writes. Uh, another co- uh, let's see here. Another collection of mini games this week, although wrapped around a far less interesting premise. I like the idea of having a set number of gates to pass through or enemies to destroy to get to the next level. I don't like the droning settlements. We didn't mention those; they are droning. The lack of on-screen remaining lives or the lousy hit detection. Avoid this game if you value your time. This had—I don't know what boat's talking. But this had this told you exactly uh, how many I mean, remaining lives, lives yeah. you have. So uh, I don't know what he's talking about there. Uh, Mitsuyama checked this out as well, Brent. Uh, he writes, uh, there are some impressive aspects to this game. The graphics are colorful and the scrolling and sprite scaling are smooth yep. for a game of its age. If we, yep, know, we don't know its age. However, the sound is uninspiring. It just drones, beeps, and boops. What really let this game down is the awful collision detection. I swear some of my shots seem to pass right through the enemies. I couldn't tell if it was related to how high I was flying the ship, but it meant that I resorted to holding down fire and hoping... For the best, especially on the Star Wars-inspired trench level. Does that sound familiar? We're right there with you, Mitz. Yeah. I managed to get past the psychedelic tunnel level, and the game just restarts at level one, but with a different color scheme. Not a game that I'll be revisiting four out of ten, Brent. So I think go. that's fair. I think I that agree. is absolutely fair. I, well, I mean, what can I say? It was... Uh, it had a cool name, you know, man. <laughs> but that, but I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting game. I was impressed with graphically with the way it looked. I thought it was impressive, but yeah, ultimately that hit detection was a killer. So, yeah. bro, what did you bring to the table this week, my friend? I took a game that was actually released on a couple systems. Uh, it was released on the Commodore sixty four, the the ZX Spectrum, the MSX, and the Einstein. And took a look at Lazy Jones. Oh yeah, this <laughs> a premise for a game. Quite this is quite awesome. You are a hotel employee, right? And you are supposed to be going through and cleaning the hotel and whatnot. 
but you know, you don't really feel like doing that. So instead, you go into each of the rooms of the hotel and play video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on a huge and, TV. <laughs> yeah, and that's a course, heck of a hotel. As you're going through uh, the the hotel, you've got to dodge some some things to get from one room to the other. Uh, up on the top floor uh, is the manager. Uh, I'm sorry, on the top floor is the ghost of the previous manager. Uh, on the middle floor is a haunted cleaning cart, and on the bottom floor is the current manager. Uh, if you run into any of them going from room to room, you lose a life. So you can't do that. Uh, this hotel is huge. It has three floors, and it has uh, six rooms on each floor for a total of 18 rooms. Now, three of these rooms are not uh, like all the rest of the rooms. Uh, you have one room that's just a broom closet, and you just walk in and kind of kick the brooms and walk back out. Uh, one room is a bathroom where you go and use the, yeah. bath use the restroom and leave. <laughs> that, and then, I, I'd say that amused me when I walked in. There. And one room is a bar where you do <laughs> play a game in the bar, uh, you try to stand in front of the bartender and drink your drink while a drunk moves back and forth and kind of knocks you out of the way. All the rest of the rooms on this hotel have humongous, massive televisions with video games playing. And each room has its own video game. So this is, you know, 12 mini games inside of your one massive game. So you will go into a room, and, and the games are random. You don't know what you're going to get when you walk in. And one of the games will be up on the television, and your little guy walks over to the console, and you play the game for a set amount of time or until you die, and you get a score, depending on uh, how well you do in that game, that adds up to a overall score. And whenever you either die or run out of time, your guy leaves the room and you can't go back into that room until you've completed all the other rooms. So it's just a massive uh, mini game collection. Uh, some of the games, I, I, I'm not going to go through all of them because there's so many and I don't want to bore people. But uh, Chuck, there's Eggy Chuck, which is yeah. a, a simplified <laughs> Chucky Egg game. There is uh, Laser Jones, which is a Space Invaders clone. Uh, you've got Res Q, which is a hero clone, yeah. uh, where you fly around to rescue the guys. Uh, you've got uh, The Hills Are Alive, which is a shoot 'em up similar to Outland, except you're flying uh, horizontally. Uh, you've got a thing called The Wall, which is you are building a wall, but it's really just a snake clone and all these different types of games. You've got, you know, breakout clones. You've got several different types of shooters. Uh, and then you've got some really off the, off the wall games like, uh, wafers Two, where you've got a panel bouncing around the screen and you have to set the, sh you've got a ship on the bottom and a ship on the left and you have to line them up so that you can, your coordinates will shoot and hit the panel that's bouncing around the screen. Uh, it's very, very clever. Um, and all the games have these silly little names. And uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful high score game. Now, I want to ask you, Aaron, who do you think made such a wacky little game? I was wondering if you're going to get into it. Oh yes, because when I saw this guy's name, I about <laughs> fell out of the chair. It was David Whitaker. Yes, Brent. Uh, yes, uh, among other things, he did the music. He does a music man, and yeah, he I, did the music for Shadow of the Beast. Among uh, uh, well, I mean, other things, super super famous. He is. Oh done, yeah. So uh, I didn't know he did like actual games. To be honest yeah, with you, and, and he has few uh, a few games to his credit. Uh, many would say this is his most famous, I believe. Um, some others that he's been a part of as ATV Simulator uh, back in 97, Nighttime, 
which is a pun game back in 86. Uh, he was part of Obliterator, but this is one that he took. This was just him. And the, the, the story goes that he wrote all of this out in assembly. Uh, yeah. it, or, I'm sorry. He wrote it all out in basic and translated it into assembly so he could put it on some of these different systems. Yeah. And, uh, I think he did an excellent job. I think this is a fun game to play once or twice. You're not going to play this forever. Uh, or, or play it as a high score challenge because it's a, where it's a bunch of little fast moving mini games. Uh, if you were playing this for a high score challenge, I think it'd be perfect. You can set how many men you get from uh, one to nine. And that's really not it. You don't die when you die in the mini games. You only lose a life. If you die outside in the hotel, moving from one mini game to another. Right. And there are times uh, when you'll get, you'll feel like you got a cheap hit in the hotel uh, because the, the ghost and the uh, mop cart move back and forth, even when you're inside of a room. But there is a way, if you enter a door right as they're getting ready to pass the door, you'll never get hit on the exit. I know some people had a problem with when they left a room, they would instantly get hit and lose a life. So there yeah. is a way to avoid it, but it's kind of, kind of annoying. A couple other aspects about this I want to mention, Aaron. Uh, the music in this is incredible yeah, and it, it should be. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it is, it's, it's a fun music track, right? But it does something so subtle that I didn't realize it was doing it at first. And then the one, some of the extra playthroughs I did, I, I picked up on it. There is a steady beat and it's very catchy that plays all the time you're walking through the hotel. <clears throat> and when you go into a room to play a mini game, seamlessly, the beat changes depending on what game you're playing. So you'll have the steady beat and, and the little tune playing when you're outside. And when you go into a room, you'll get a, a different song will start, but it just slides it in so perfectly. And every mini game has its own tune. So, you know, there are so many different variations of it, and they all just slide in so perfectly. Uh, it is a really a testimony to this man's musical genius. And it's something that has been sampled throughout the years. It's actually had some uh, famous music made from it. In, in modern times. Uh, so perfect. The other thing is, there is something that makes the MSX and Einstein version different than the C64 and ZX Spectrum version. <coughs> in the uh, MSX and, and Einstein version, the game Jaywalk, which is a, uh, which is a um, Frogger clone, is replaced with Wafers 2, which is that horizontal, vertical, line them up and shoot them game. I don't know why that is. I personally would have rather had Jaywalk, the Frogger clone. Uh, I think that would have been a nice addition to have one less shooter. But there you go. That's how it goes. Uh, Aaron, what did you think of this game? I, did you have any idea what you were getting into? Have you heard of this before? Hell no. I had no idea what this was. I never heard of this one. Man, was I surprised. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Uh, before I get into this, I want to thank uh, Replay Retro. I used a lot of his footage today. And because I, this is the only guy around that's actually has footage of playing this on an Einstein. So what you're looking at here is video footage he shot off the Einstein. This is a hard game to come by uh, like anywhere. There's not that many Einsteins, you know. So I'll give the guy full credit. Uh, this game, I, I I didn't know what it was, and when I when it started, I was like, "This is gonna be crap" because you're in that hallway. And once I learned what the controls were, man, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I really couldn't believe how cool it was. This is just like uh, uh, 
a smorgasbord of tiny games. You know, uh, I, I was impressed. I mean, and it's got it's got your Space Invaders clones. It's got the ones based on Hero. It's got Breakout. It's got all sorts of. It's got snakes and it's got all this stuff. And it's a ton of different games. It's a great idea, you know. And but I mean, it's something you would think that would be, uh, not doable. I guess. Be about. I mean, it's because it's got to be vast. Thirty-two k. Yeah. I mean, this thing is thirty-two k. Unbelievable. I'm glad you pointed out the thing about the beat when you go into the room because I thought that was pretty cool too. I was wondering if you'd mention that. Oh yeah. Uh, again. Yeah. This guy, this guy's a musical genius. So I expect that it needs to be good. Than it is. Uh, I like the premise of the game. <laughs> I read that somewhere, and then when you read when it went over to, it always it makes me laugh. You get the name fits. He's lazy, but uh, a fun, it's I enjoyed it. The, the little mini games are surprisingly playable too, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. There's there is one or two duds. Uh, uh, there's uh, too many. Uh, one alien on the screen type of shooters, which yeah. was a little disappointing. Again, that's why I would have rather had the Frogger clone. Um, however, uh, I, I, I think this is a fun game. I think it's a fun game. It, most of the games, you figure out what's going on in five or ten seconds. There's what a is few. That, what is that game <coughs> for the Wii and stuff? Or it's like uh, WarioWare. That's it. That's yeah. that. That's exactly what this reminded me of. It was like it was like now that one the gameplay's a lot shorter, you know. But I mean, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of, <laughs> where you just basically randomly play different stuff. You don't know what you're playing, you know. <laughs> Who'd have thunk that? <laughs> you know, that's a cool game, you know. And it, but this has it's very similar. Did you get that vibe from it? Uh, I mean, it it sort of. I think WarioWare is more about uh, you do literally one action and move one. This allows you to play the game yeah. for <clears throat> about a minute if you don't die in game. Um, so it, it's more like a collection of mini games. I think for me, this is more like a Mario Party than a WarioWare. This is a game that is is greater. <clears throat> it's greater than the sum of its parts. Yo, as yeah. They say. If you couldn't release any of these mini games on their own, but as one big crazy package to kill some time, this thing's your boy. Yeah, uh, it does. It does a real a real good job. It's funny when I was looking back through all those magazines I was talking about. Well, I couldn't find anything on my game, but this game came up all the time. Yeah, this is one of the biggest games released for the Einstein. I mean, there was no doubt about that. Uh, and and when I say biggest, I mean most popular because it was mentioned a lot. It was always in those top tens. So clearly, this was one that actually had a and uh, uh, made an impact. I, I don't. I wonder which game, which system this got released for first. Did you read it? Find out. Uh, the the dates all are in 1984. Yeah, so there you go. But I, I, I give this. I heartily endorse this game. It's not as graphically impressive as mine, but in terms of gameplay, it's it's a thousand times better. Something I wanted to ask you about. How did I could never go to the top floor in this. I can only go to the first two floors. Is there something, is there a gimmick to that? No, just when you get in the elevator, hit up. That's I can it. never get it to go up. Yeah, no, I, I got it to go up, no problem. No. Yeah. Did it matter what floor you're on as to what game you played? I think, the, no, it, it's pretty random. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty random. And when you do go through all of the doors uh, and complete all of the, you know, play all the games, Yeah. the game continues and everything just gets faster so and i did loop this one a couple times uh putting it on nine lives and uh you can't you can't sit and play this game for hours and hours and hours this is something you get in you play for a little bit or you play with your buddies for a high score challenge uh because all the mini games there's four or five of them that are pretty good, and then two or three of them that are really bad that you don't want to actually play. So to go through the hotel a few times, you get your fill of it, and then you get out, and then you can pick it up, uh, you know, a couple of months later and play through it all again. So do I recommend playing this? Yes, yes. Down, and this is the best version, in my opinion. <clears throat> I looked at the MSX, and I looked at the. Uh, uh, C64. Commodore 64 version, yeah. and this is 
graphically, uh, musically, this is the best. It it's does suck. I think it's interesting that the Einstein was was uh, could match up to like say the C sixty four in terms of because I mean my game was very graphically impressive as well. <clears throat> oh, this was yeah. One would wonder what you could have done with this machine given uh, you know enough time because they had come out with something called the Einstein or it was coming out with something called the Einstein two fifty six, which would have been the the uh, next in line. Yeah. That would if 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 and for what I heard, it was just an Einstein with a lot more memory. One would wonder what could have been done with such a machine uh, if it had shipped. You know, I, I agree. Yeah, for I agree. 32K, you've got you've got some pretty good action here. Because everything on this runs smooth as silk. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, so. I agree. Uh, we did get some Discord action on this, Brent. I'm assuming you didn't find this on eBay, by the way. No, I didn't no. look. <laughs> Are you kidding me? John, boat of car, Schaller, writes, uh, Lazy Jones was a real treat. When I first started playing, I thought I was going to be a Keystone Capers ripoff, but when I got in the first room and saw a computer there ready to play, and then when I realized there were multiple ga uh, games of various genres in most of the rooms, I was surprised and amazed. What we have here is the first incarnation of WarioWare. <laughs> there you go. Me and both think alike. For the 8-bit computers, <laughs> I thought you'd get about a minute to play each of these games rather than only a few seconds in the Nintendo franchise. The only part of the game that stumbles is the hallway area where enemies are easily jumped over or avoided. I was also unable to go up to the third level of the hotel. He couldn't do it either. I, but I don't know, I man. Did, I, it's hit But up. since I did not read the documentation, there's probably a reason why I wasn't able to get up, go up there right off the bat. The Einstein version of this game is the best looking, while the C64 is easily the worst due to its craptacular palette. His words, not mine. Unfortunately... I couldn't get joystick support working through MAME, so I had to use the Spectrum-like split keyboard controls, but I still had fun. Highly recommend it. I should mention here, since I rigged it up, I'll go ahead and go to it again. I did a little comparison between the C64 version and the Einstein. Of course, the Einstein is shot off of screens. So that's going to be a little hazier looking. But uh, they're, I'd say they're comparable. You know, I don't think there's... I mean, I don't think they're... Uh, they're that the uh, C64 version looks like crap or anything. I think that's a... But, you know, Bode, he hates the C64's uh, color palette, Brent, for, for whatever reason. Uh, we also had a, uh, a review sent in from Mitsuyama. He writes, This is my first time playing Lazy Jones, so I can't compare it to other platforms. The graphics are colorful, and the sound and music are okay, too. Once I'd managed to work out the controls, I started to get, to get into the game. A nice variety of mini-games, although there are perhaps too many shooters. It's not. <laughs> that's what you said, Brent. It's not always obvious what you're supposed to be doing in each of the mini-games. And it's a little annoying when you leave a room and are placed directly in front of an enemy with no way to avoid them. To be honest, I would rather play larger, more fleshed-out versions of some of the mini-games as standalone games. Five out of ten. So, I mean, that's bad. fair. That, not that, bad. That's just, you know, I can absolutely understand why some people wouldn't dig this type of, uh, uh, I guess, almost menu system for all these little mini games, so I, I I don't I don't see any fault in that review. Yeah, yep, there you go, there you go. So I found uh, the Tattoo Einstein to be painless and dare I say enjoyable, Brent. Yeah, well, I had a good time the, with it. Will that be the result of our next spin? Let's find out. It's wheel time. Bam! All right, Brent, I got the wheel right here. Now we've added. Oh man, I'm dreading this one, folks. Brent Ray hosed us on this one. We're doing, we've added to the board type in games. Type in games. So if that comes up, we'll let Brent explain what that's going to entail. Please, God, no. Oh, God, no. And then we've also added as our retro rewind piece the ever popular Super Nintendo brand. So here we go. Get this thing fired up. I could go for some Super NES. Ugh. There she goes. She's spinning. She's spinning. And the big winner is, holy smokes, Brick called it. It's the Super <laughs> Nintendo, Brent. Yay! Brent, it's a system I've heard of. You've successfully navigated the minefield, <laughs> my friend. Hey, How did a you retro do it? rewind piece. It's been a while. It's been a while. You know, I can tell by the, the, uh, the cheers and applause in the chat room that they all love the Super Nintendo. <laughs> Brock with a huge burial. Uh <laughs> I uh, you know I'm not the biggest Super Nintendo fan, but by God, there's a there's a library there. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's a huge library. Brent, any uh, any parting thoughts or anything you want to get out there before we take this thing to the house? I uh, I would love to see some uh, modern people 
take some programming on the Einstein and run with it. Also, I do believe that uh, Lazy Jones is trying to have a modern day equivalent made. I, I, I don't know if it's a Kickstarter effort or just uh, talks with developers, but I, I did see a couple things on it when I was passing through. Uh, also, uh, you know, music and video games. There, it's a big deal when it's a big deal, and it should be a big deal more often. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, when you've got a musician like Whitaker of that, of that guy's caliber, you expect a good sound. And by the way, I mean, I could run through. I had a list of the stuff he'd done, and it's all. It would take all show to. Yeah. I mean, he, this guy's prolific in his eight bit and sixteen bit pro, like uh, musical skills. Absolutely, quite a genius. Uh, hey, we want to thank everyone who showed up in the chat. Uh, we appreciate you guys, and we'll be back next week. Next week, big time with some hot, hot, incredibly hot Super Nintendo action. Please join us. Thanks a lot, everybody, and we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Until then, stay lazy. <sighs> Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to our YouTube subscribers and our Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for an amazing closing theme. Want to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Ram, W. Vetke, Rolo, Olaf Hope, Anthony Jarvis, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, The Slow Morris, Frodo NL, Steve Rasmussen, Bernhard Lucas, Chris Folds, Mitsuyama, Jason Warns, Rob, Black O'Hara, Andy Craig, Dave Velociraptor, Retroology, Hermsky, John Dykeman, Jerry Dennington, Z9K9, and Mr. B. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay, too. You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Email it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT on Twitch. Hope to see you there.